Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi there. Last time, as we studied together, we did our second podcast for the month of January 2018, The Great Escape of Providence, and this time we're going to finish our list that we began last time about Joseph and about the providence in his life. We got down to chapter 41 of Genesis and verse 16, which is a power-packed verse. It says there in 41:16, and Joseph answered Pharaoh, and you remember Pharaoh had called Joseph before him to give him the interpretation of the dream that was about to catapult Joseph into second in all of the nation of Israel, just below Pharaoh himself, second in command. And in verse 16, Joseph humbly answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I love that statement. God always does provide an answer of peace for those people who are following him. Pharaoh wasn't necessarily following God, but God was going to give Pharaoh what he needed to know because God was providing for one of his own, Joseph. And you'll remember what was going to happen is that Joseph was, because of the interpretation of this dream, going to be able to store up the grain that the children of Israel needed in order to to bring the small tribe of Jacob. It was actually Jacob's Twelve tribes, his sons Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Gad, Naphtali, and Asher. And then Joseph was already down in Egypt, and those two tribes were going to be Ephraim and Manasseh, which were actually half-tribes. And all those people were going to convene, travel to the land of Goshen, where God was going to make of them a great nation. And from that great nation was going to eventually come the Messiah. So God is working his redemptive plan here, even in this revelation that he is going to give Joseph for Pharaoh. And I love that it calls him calls it an answer of peace because it is the Prince of Peace that's finally going to come as a result of the providence of God that we see very much at work in the life of Joseph. So as we continue to look through chapter 41, in verses 25 through 28, God showed what he is about to do. Chapter 41, verses 25 through 28 read, And Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then he goes ahead and explains that the seven good kind are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing, verse 28, which I have spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he is showing to Pharaoh. So I put an asterisk beside that one because God is showing what he is about to do to make an escape from the famine for the people of Egypt and the people of Israel. 41, 29, and 30 
There was indeed, there were indeed seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And in chapter 41, verse 40, Joseph was the chosen one to gather and store up the food. And in 41, verses 42 and 43, Joseph is made a ruler. And this is going to be the open door for Joseph's family to come down to the land of Goshen. And in 40, I put an asterisk beside uh, the fact that he was chosen to gather and store the food and beside the fact that he was chosen to be a ruler, second in command to Pharaoh. In 41, 45, Joseph was given a wife. We know that the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh are going to come as a result of that. In 41, 49, the corn harvest was very great during the years of plenty. And in 41, verse 51, God made Joseph forget. And I think that's a banner verse, too. When we look at uh, chapter 41, verse 51, And Joseph called the name of the firstborn son Manasseh. For God, said he, has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. That's quite a statement there. That after all that Joseph had been through, and the jealousy of his brothers, and the fact that they sold him, to the Midianites, he ended up in Potiphar's house, false accusations were made against him, and he ended up spending a long time in prison, and then the um, person who was supposed to be remembering him to Pharaoh forgot about him. I mean, Joseph had suffered. Joseph had been through a lot due to no fault of his own, and then he says in verse 51, God has allowed me to forget because he has blessed me. It, with um, a son, Manasseh, God has made me forget. God has a way of doing that. God makes us forget difficulties when we rejoice in serving Him. And I, I love the promise that we have that God will wipe away all of our tears in heaven. You know, Joseph was in the land that the Israelites were going to come and prosper in. One day we're going to get to another land too. And in that land, God is going to cause us to forget. He is going to wipe away all tears. 41 verse 52, God caused Joseph to be fruitful. 41 verse 54, this one gets an asterisk. There was bread in Egypt during the dearth. Because of that bread that was present during the famine in all the other places of the land, of course, that, that is a key open door. The brothers are going to be forced to come to Joseph and to beg for something from Joseph as those dreams way back early in the life of Joseph predicted. In verse 56, Joseph sold them the corn. He not the brothers, but the people of Egypt, he sold the corn. Now, this is the corn that they grew. They had had to give the large portion of that corn to Pharaoh, and now they are buying it back again. In 57, all the countries came into Egypt to buy corn. Now we're in verse chapter 42, and in verse 2, Jacob sent Joseph's brothers to buy corn. In verse 4, Jacob kept Benjamin at home. Now, Benjamin's going to be a catalyst here for the revelation that's going to happen of Joseph to his brothers. So, Jacob kept Benjamin at home in verse 4. In verse 6, the brothers bowed down to Joseph, a direct fulfillment of the dreams that Joseph had early on in his life. 
In 42 verse 9, Joseph accused his brothers of being spies. And in 40, he did that again in verse 14. And in 42, 15, Joseph demanded that Benjamin come to prove their innocence. I'd like to know that you are not spies. And if the story you're telling me is true, then you say you've got a little brother at home. So bring him down here and let me see him. And of course, that was the only child in the family of Jacob that was a full brother, same mother and father to Joseph himself. Joseph and Benjamin were the beloved sons of the most loved wife, Rachel. So in 42 verse 21, the brothers admitted their guilt. And in 42 verse 25, Joseph restored their money into, um, into their own bags as they were leaving. In 42 verses 28 and 35, the brothers discovered that Joseph had restored their money. And in 43 verse 1, oh, the famine got really bad again. Here they went home and they realized they hadn't even paid for their grain. They ate their grain and then they became hungry again. And how can they go back and get more when they didn't even pay for the first grain that they got. And especially how can they go back and get more if they don't take Benjamin with them since that's what Joseph demanded. And Jacob is just not about to let Benjamin go because he's already lost one son. Isn't it funny that uh, or ironic that the brothers took those coats with the blood on them to Jacob their father and said, a wild beast killed him. So they lied and made Jacob believe that Joseph had been killed by a wild beast. And so now it is that episode, that loss that occurred in Jacob's mind that he, they actually didn't even have to say a wild beast killed him. They just showed him the coats and he said, oh no, he's been torn apart by a wild animal. And they just let him go on and grieve about the loss of his son and cry and mourn over him for years. And now, because of that deception, he's not about to let Benjamin go. So now, that deception is standing in their way of going back to get the corn they need to keep on living. And so in verse 1 of chapter 43, the famine was sore. It was, it was a bad famine. They were hungry. And in verses 12 and 13, finally, after begging and Judah offering himself as a surety for the safety of Benjamin, if anything happens to him, you can take my life. Well, the brothers went back with double the money because, remember, they had their money had been restored in their bags so they this time they took double money the money for the grain they bought before and the money for this corn and they returned with the double money and benjamin and in 43 16 arrangements were made for a dinner in the house of joseph and this is going to end up being a revelation banquet and in 43 verse 26 the brothers bow before joseph again just as those early dreams had had prophesied would occur. And in 43 verse 28, the brothers made obeisance before Joseph. That means they um, honored him. They almost worshiped him in 43 verse 28. And in 44 
Verse 2, Joseph's silver cup was put in Benjamin's sack on purpose because he wanted to be able to bring Benjamin back, accusing him of having stolen the cup. He's setting up a time when he can reveal himself to his brothers. And in 44 verse 12, they were, back to the, they were brought back to the city when the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. In 44 verse 14, the brothers bow once more to Joseph. This bowing just keeps on happening over and over and over. And in 45 verse 1, Joseph finally told them who he was. And in 9 and 10, Joseph invited Jacob's household to come to Goshen. In 45 verse 16, Joseph's house became famous. And Pharaoh was very glad that Joseph's family was coming to Egypt. Remember, this is uh, the same Pharaoh that um, once upon a time would just have had disdain for this common prisoner. And now he has invited his whole house to come to the land of Goshen, which is a great land for shepherds. And then in 45 verse 20, Jacob's house was promised the good of all of the land of Egypt. And we're not finished seeing what a great amount of good that was. In 46 verses 3 and 4, God provided reassurance to Jacob to go to Egypt. He said, go on and go. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you there. In 46 verse 29, Joseph and Jacob, father and son, were reunited. In 47 verses 1 to 12, Jacob's family was granted the best land in Egypt. And in verse 14 of chapter 47, Joseph sold back their grain to Egypt till they had spent all. So here Egypt had given their grain to the government during the seven years of plenty. And now Joseph sold back that grain until they had spent all their money. And in verse 17, then Joseph traded back their grain for their cattle. They ran out of money, but they still were hungry. So Joseph enriched the coffers once again of Pharaoh by saying, Okay, I'll trade you grain for, for your cattle. And in verse 20, Joseph traded them seed for their, for their land for Egypt. So he... He traded, he traded them first of all for their money, took all their money till they ran out. Then he took their cattle and then he gave them seed to plant on their land for Egypt. So he, so they were planting this seed on their land and then almost all of, a, a percentage of their harvest was going back to the Pharaoh from the seed that they had been given to plant on their land. So Joseph was doing um, a great big national favor for the Pharaoh here. No wonder the Pharaoh honored him because he brought all kinds of wealth into the government as the people became needy. And yet at the same time, he was being sure that all the people of the land were being fed. So it's no wonder that the king recognized the smarts of Joseph and acknowledged him and gave him honor for that. 
have a few more passages here I wanted to find. Okay, 47 verses 23 and 24. One third of all the crop then became Pharaoh's. He traded them seed. They planted the seed. And one third of all the crop that they grew then became Pharaoh's. In 47:27, Israel grew exceedingly in Goshen. Remember, God is growing a nation from which the Messiah will come. So Israel grew exceedingly in Goshen. And then in 48:11, God showed Jacob's God showed Joseph Jacob's seed. So so Jacob got to meet Ephraim and Manasseh. In 48 verse 15, Jacob stated that God had led him all his life long. I love that Jacob recognized the providence of God, even though he had suffered a great deal during his life as well. In verse 18 of chapter 50, the brothers became, the brothers were, it states that the brothers were subservient to Joseph, even as Jacob was passing out the blessing. In 50 verse 21, I will nourish you, is what Joseph promised his brothers. So after all of the evil that they did to him, it's reminiscent of Romans chapter 12. He turned around and said, I'll never let you go hungry. I will continue to nourish you. And then the verse that I want us to close with is chapter 50 verse 20. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 and actually the surrounding text as well Genesis chapter 50 let's look at verse 20 this is when Joseph's brothers were afraid that since Jacob had died Joseph was going to kill them that maybe Joseph was just being good to them because he was doing it to honor Jacob and now that our father is dead. Joseph's probably going to turn on us, and he's probably going to be mean to us. And in verse 19, Joseph said to them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it to good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So therefore, don't fear. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I, I just love the way that Joseph's final reaction in chapter 50 after all the heartache that he had been through, all the bad blood that he had experienced between himself and his brothers after their jealousy, after their attempts to kill him, then they sold him away. After all of that, Joseph said, Yeah, I know that you thought it for evil, but God had a plan. God meant it for good. You know, our God can take evil things and he can still turn them into something good for his people. Romans eight twenty eight again, all things work together for good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. I love that. God can take the evil things that men do and bless his people through those things. I it, it, Right in the middle of this story of Joseph, this account of Joseph, we have Judah and Tamar. God's going to take and well, I don't want to call it incestuous because she was his daughter-in-law, but he's going to take 
this very illicit, very sinful relationship between Judah and Tamar and bring about an ancestor of the Messiah himself, the Redeemer. God is making his redemptive plan work, even sometimes as he does so through the sin of his people. Through the sin of these brothers, he brought Joseph down into Egypt and put him into a position where he could secure land, he could secure wealth for this nation that was going to grow. His brothers came down and bowed just as his dreams had prophesied, and then they were restored in a relationship with Joseph where they could prosper and grow and Joseph promised to nourish them and they grew into a great nation there in the land of Goshen. They are going to experience some more trouble when a king arises in Egypt that doesn't know, doesn't remember Joseph. And even in that, in those years of hard servitude, he's making that nation stronger and stronger and stronger ready to go and get the promised land, ready to go over and finally move that nation toward Jerusalem where David is going to arise and through the family of David, a Savior is going to come, Jesus the Christ. And finally, because of Calvary and an empty tomb, the world is going to everybody in the world, Jew and Gentile, is going to have a chance to come to the Lord, to have a relationship restored with Him in spite of sin in our lives. And all of this, in, in all of this redemptive plan, Joseph is playing a big part. And he says, yeah, my brothers did me wrong. Yeah, they treated me in the very worst possible way that I can think of. This was a bad scenario. And I went home and, and lied about it to my father and let him suffer all of those years. And they meant all of this for evil. But God meant it for good. And when he looked at this good plan of God, he could say, oh, God has made me forget. We should be like Joseph. We should understand that we are blessed as Christians above all people on the earth. We are a part of God's redeemed people. He has taken so much evil throughout history, the history of His people and woven it into a great redemptive scheme so that we today can be blessed above all people because we have security in our salvation. We know that we are on the way to heaven as long as we are faithful to Him and that He has provided, the Hebrews writer says, something even better for us. We can look back at these Old Testament accounts, but there is not one person who lived prior to Calvary, prior to the resurrection of Christ, that could be in the eternal kingdom of God. Ah, oh, but we can. We can. Because God has used the good and the bad to purposefully plan a way that we could escape the clutches of sin 
and have the hope of heaven. I love Joseph's part in that. I love the fact that he said, Oh, you thought it evil, but God meant it to good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. He was talking about his brothers. He was talking about the, not just the people of Egypt that he was saving by the multitudes, but God was also preserving his people, his remnant, through which would come a Savior to save much people. You know, what else that is? It's very prophetic. Those words in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, because the spiritual salvation that he was providing, the eternal salvation that God was providing through all of these events, the place that he was making for a Messiah was to spiritually save much people, among which people am I? Among which people are you? He has, through these events, saved much people. And we will continue to praise Him for that. The providence of God, an amazing study. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I hope you have a great week. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Digabit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.